You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Reading ridiculous headlines right before we start isn't a good idea. Um, everybody doing good? Yeah. Well, yep. Simon got out yesterday. We were all in lockdown. So what is it? Strict lockdown for a week. We've been in strict lockdown compared to a lot of you. But <laughs> for the past week, we've been, we weren't able to leave at all. Um, not even on our quote unquote shopping day or whatever. And so that broke or we finished. Or I don't know. We got out of that yesterday. And went back to new normal, not the normal, but new normal. And so you went out. Mm-hmm. It was good to get out. Yep, it was. Got everything you needed. Yep. Saw all the sights. Saw the sights. With you, through your mask, of course. <laughs> yep. Right. Good. Yeah, my day's tomorrow. I'm, I don't know. I don't get too excited about leaving anymore because it's just weird and it's uneasy and, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. And there's so much of so much of different stuff going around here yeah. and whatever. And I don't know. It's kind of. Yeah. It felt, felt like. What's the word? Like friendlier yesterday yeah. when I was out. Like the first few times that I'd go out and everyone just was like, it just felt tense. panic mode. Yeah, intense. And no one, you know, just people rushing around and whatnot. Whereas yesterday, you know, people were just more, just felt more relaxed. Like out. lighter. Yeah, you know, like I was asking people where I could, but I was trying to find batteries. Just asking people where I could find batteries. And, My bad. You know, I asked you about batteries and they run all over the world. But uh, yeah, no, just people like willing to have chats to you a bit, a little bit more, yeah. um, and just you know talk to you and not just run from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it ha- it, before it was like, and understandably so, but it was yeah. like you know people standoffish and like kind of not wanting to be. So yeah, you know you get it, but yeah, that's. I mean, I guess that's good to an extent, you know, like as yeah, people yeah. getting back to acting like normal people. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't like it, or being it, precautious. Yeah, it wasn't like it had gone back to normal. You know, like, oh, if I was giving you hugs and whatnot, you yeah, know, yeah, people yeah. were still keeping their distance. Like yeah, yeah. it was still two meters, and the shops still had like the barricades in front of their doors. Mm-hmm. But just people were friendlier in the way they spoke to you. Less yeah. panic in their voice and yeah, and whatnot. That's helpful. So, yeah, that's how, helpful. Did, how did you feel when um, we had to stop greeting each other? Because for people who don't know here in Bolivia, we greet with a kiss on the cheek. Uh, how did you feel about that? When they're like, okay, not we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. It's probably like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, yeah it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because now you're like, how, how do you greet people? Like, I saw Carlos the other day and like, he, he went to give me a fist bump and I was like, nope, I'll use my elbow. <laughs> yeah, like, no. We're using your yeah. feet. Like, yeah. Miguel always, like, our neighbor always sticks his foot out and, like, pounding the foot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's weird, isn't it? Like, you go, like... Because in the beginning, no one was absolutely touching at all. Yeah. And then it's like, you just get into this place where it's like, oh, we'll, we'll just do a little like uh, elbow bump. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, we'll just do a fist bump. And you know what I mean? Because you just get, you get used to yeah. like, what happens is your, your, your fear goes down. Mm-hmm. And it's not like fear in the sense of like, oh, we're going to, but like, you know, your, your, your guard goes down, I guess is the best, best yeah. way to say it. Because you've been dealing with it for so long and it's become normal. And you're not concerned about it anymore. And so it's like, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But that's what happens as time goes on. Yeah. And especially like in a culture where greeting is so just, I mean, yeah. you could be in a room, then leave it for 10 minutes and come back in and you still have to re-greet like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> everyone still does like the handshake or whatever. The weirdest thing um, for me when, when I first came is uh, the kissing the stranger. Like someone introduces you to their friend, their grandma's cousin's sister, you know, and, and 
you're never going to see him again and say, oh, hi. And then you have to go in for a kiss. I don't like, <laughs> you don't have to, but it's like, it's kind of a, like, I don't know. It's a bit, like, if you don't, it's like, oh, okay. It looks really bad on us as outsiders. No, it's not that extreme, but yeah. Hey, yeah. I think for me, when I go back to the States, it's always weird because I meet people and just out of, I mean, you got to think for, I don't go to the States mm-hmm. every two years or whatever. And so when I'm there, I'm like, they're like, how are you doing? I'm like. <laughs> and you gotta like fall back out, like oh, and like they're looking like, what are you doing? Is this guy trying to make a move? Like, I remember, I missionaries. remember, I actually kissed um, Richard uh, from um, Holly, Holly and Lester's church. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, an elderly guy, you know. And um, I went in and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm used to this. How we greet each other um, in Bolivia. He's like, I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was him. I think it was somebody else. But yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so there's been a lot going on. I've been on the phone for the past week and a half, pretty much. Um, <laughs> it's been, you know, there's a lot going on, obviously, in our world. Um, in our world now, right? It started off and there was a lot going on in Minneapolis. Then there was a lot going on in a few states. Then there's a lot going on in the United States. Then there's, it went to the world. And like, there's all kinds of different countries protesting and having what I feel like, um, at least there are sectors of it that are having meaningful, meaningful conversations. About, about race and things that are way, way, way overdue, I think. And, um, but um, so, I've, you know, I've been on phone with other missionaries, missionary friends, just friends who work in the secular world. Is that some, I don't mean that as like a negative thing, because it's a good thing, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, friends that don't work in ministry full time, um, friends that are pastors and whatever. And we just have a lot of conversations in private about different issues and how to address it. And what are my thoughts? What are my experiences and stuff like that? Um, it's been really good. It's been really good, especially all the private conversations, I think, have been really great. And, um, and for me, too, just helping me understand, you know, uh, other people's perspective on it. It's not they don't have different perspective. It's just their angle, the way that they're seeing it. You know what I mean? And why that it's 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 so much harder for some people to be able to, like, speak up about it, which, you know, some semantics we can argue all day on that, like or whatever. But like at the end of the day, like it's not easy, you know. Um, and so anyways, through, through all this. Um, I, it's made me think about like, because one of my things is like, we need to speak up. And we talked about this last week, all of us, you know, black, white, Bolivian, American, like, you know, whatever. We need to speak up on issues like this. As the church, we need to speak up. Um, I still stand by that. Um, however, it, it's made me think in a, on a bigger, on a larger scale, um, us as missionaries here, look, the, the only injustice that happens in the world is not abortion and racism. Those are not the only two injustices that are occurring in society. There's a lot of other things that happen. And uh, just thinking in terms of, of uh, as a missionary, and I, I don't have an answer, so this is not like a teaching moment or anything like that, but I just wanted to have the conversation. And again, we're probably not going to come to any, yeah, that's what we should, maybe, I don't know. But like just to having the conversation as missionaries in a place where obviously, just like the rest of the world, where injustices are um, not lacking social and you know whatever what should our level of involvement be and for obviously for us in Bolivia but as missionaries in other countries and I ask that because I mean what's made me think that is because there has been um people of color have been putting a lot of pressure on white brothers and sisters in Christ to speak out as they have as they, as they need to I, I'm right there not putting pressure but encouraging and pushing like come on now it's time to speak up and speak out and a, a, even though it's not your cause, so to speak, like adopt the cause. It is your cause because we're one body. And so, you know, 
we we laugh together, we cry together, we worship together, you know, and so definitely. However, in 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 the context of missions, a lot of times I think oh, I know. I mean, because we've been missionaries for ten, going on eleven years, almost eleven years. Oh, yeah, I think something like that. Anyways, and we have like when when Bolivian issues arise, we have um, we've been and I'm not, this is not blaming anybody because I, I get it. We've been taught on a whole, not by any individual, just by the whole missions, I like thought process and missions world to stand back and stay out of it. And so I do, uh, there are, there are circumstances, there are, and we can get to that, right? And talk details, whatever. Um, however, are we not doing the same thing here? Me specifically, am I not doing the same thing in that, that I am accusing some of my white brothers and sisters in the United States doing by not adopting my cause? You live here too. And even if you don't live here, you need to adopt this cause. Like, because let's say I live in Minneapolis and, you know, I'm with, and so I'm still going to be frustrated with my pastor friend in Florida who's silent because this is, this is something that affects all of us. Right. And so even though he doesn't live in Minneapolis or I, West Virginia would have been the easy example because that's where I'm from. I don't know. Why. Anyways, Minneapolis, I said, because that's where it happened. Um, or, you know, or, or Georgia or whatever. Um, however, we live here. And I I, I, I I'm just starting to rethink. I, I'm not going to, I'm just starting to rethink. That's why I'll say that's where I am about my level of social involvement. Now, this year I've been way more socially active anyways, but that's just because there's other things, whatever. But, um, but just thinking about our, our viewpoint of this as missionaries of, and protesting is, is, the, is the awareness step, right? But um, there's a lot of steps to go beyond that and stuff like that. And we can get into that later. But I don't know. What are your initial thoughts on that about us being, uh, we preach the gospel. We're involved in church, but and again, we're, we're all told. So it's not. This is no one's fault. And again, I think there's wisdom in telling us to avoid situations to an extent. Um, but I, it's always done in from a, a good place. I don't think it's ever done from. Uh, well, we just don't. That's their issues. I don't think anybody has that. Maybe a few people, but not the most. For the most part, then it's not the mentality that they're having. But it's just like, oh, let's not get mixed up in messy stuff. That is kind of like uh, whatever, but I, but like there are some other things that are black, uh, black and white issues, <laughs> no pun intended. But that are you know other injustice issues that are very clear, sin, not sin, or whatever. Um, what are your initial thoughts of us as um, I don't know, you want to say visitors or uh, you know, I mean we're not visitors, we live here, we're we have Bolivian nationality. Me and Melinda, 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 Melinda and I. That's the right way to say it. Melinda and I do, um, but I don't know. What are your yeah, I think I think you're right in the sense of yeah, we should be involved. Um and I think especially like if you live here, uh and especially for you guys, you know, you're raising your family here, you got two daughters here. Um so if things are going on in this community, in this town, why wouldn't you protest for it? You know, it's mm-hmm. this is the world that your daughters are living in. So why wouldn't you want your daughters as well as your next door neighbor's daughters to to have the same to have the same rights, to to protest the same things. Uh you know, to be safe uh, and just to grow up in a better community and, a, and a, you know, a better world that they're living in. Why wouldn't you want that for your daughters as well as your next neighbor's daughters? Um, so I don't see, you know, why would you, you distance yourself completely from that? I can understand why, you know, why some church leaders might feel like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to stay out of this. Because, you know, you could go to a march and then someone might see you and say, hey, you're the pastor from this church. And then all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. your church's name is in the newspaper the next day mm-hmm. or on Facebook or whatever. 
But um, if you're marching for the right causes, then mm-hmm. I don't, you know, you've got to be care- We were saying Absolutely. this yesterday, you have to be careful which marches you go for um, and research them, you know, find out what people are actually marching. Make, you know, don't just go, someone knocks on your door and goes, hey, we're doing a march downtown. Mm-hmm. And then you go to it and it's like, I don't know, pro guns or whatever and in, in Bolivia or, or whatever. And, you know, that's not actually a belief that you agree with. And yeah. now you find yourself at a march um, that you didn't actually agree with in the first place. Um, so, yeah, do your research. Um, but if you're marching for a right course, then what's the issue with being seen at it? That would be yeah. my, my thing. You know, if you're marching against uh, domestic violence or yeah. you're marching in favor of better education, then why is that a bad thing that you're seen at that march? There's no controversy in mm. those at all. Right. And it's, the idea is not even to completely avoid controversy, but like, yeah, controversial things of like that can kind of go either way. That's an opinion. Mm. I, I do get that. However, yeah. And that you said something that that's key. You said our, our <clears throat> excuse me, we're raising our daughters here. But then you said also for our neighbors, daughter. and I think m- not the way, but it is a way that we can like, I think you can love, you can love your neighbor on Sunday, but if on Monday through Saturday, you're neglecting your neighbor, you're not, you don't love your neighbor, mm-hmm. even though you loved them on Sunday, but that's not, you don't love your neighbor. And so I think we're really good at loving our neighbor at church services and, and like, you know, church events or ministry events or whatever. But I think there's other things too. Like if if edu- like we look at the education system here, specifically to our local school, and it is an absolute joke. And we've you know I think we've referenced it before in the podcast of um, we've gone to the school here, and it's 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 like a movie. I mean, it's an absolute joke. Mm-hmm. And so taking that and seeing that, and then not doing anything about it is if it's, on my from. In my perspective, or my opinion, even it is in, it is ignoring an injustice, because that's an injustice. That stuff that's going on at that school is an absolute injustice. I think everybody deserves the right to have education, to be educated, to learn and grow. And now we're not talking about you know get a master's and doctorate. We're just not talking about basic education. One math, one plus one, five times five. You know, and I don't think they're even learning that at that school. At that school particularly. Hmm. And so it's like, okay, this affects the kids in our neighborhood, in our area, because they go to that school. And so am I wrong for just being dismissive? About, oh, yeah, yeah, well, that's just the way it is. Well, he, uh, Yes, I think so. I, I really do think I am. And this is something, again, I hadn't thought about, because the whole missions um, idea or, or perspective is to just like, oh, we don't get involved in stuff like that. We're here to preach the gospel hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And we're absolutely, we need to preach the gospel with words. Um, speaking what it is it's a message to be declared it's not you not something you can, ne- you can necessarily live because jesus lived it which is what we proclaim about but at the same time there are implications uh, implications no there are um results of living the gospel and to show that it's taken root and that's loving your neighbor and you know and and what um works the works that J- james is talking about when he says faith without works is dead is loving your neighbor and sometimes loving your neighbor may look like marching or going to organizing not even doesn't always have to be a march or protest but organizing some type of group to be able to confront whatever the mayor or whoever you need to talk to to get the problem fixed or focused on or at least start to take steps to care about you know people around here and stuff and so i don't know but what are your thoughts on initial thoughts on um i think it's um absolutely necessary for us to to get involved in that as missionaries um and you touched on a point in, in and saying, and Simon did too, at the bottom of it all, it's at the very foundation of it all is your love for your neighbor. And so like if 
if I'm going through a really hard time and my husband just tells me once a week that he loves me, but outside of that, he doesn't hold me when I'm crying. He doesn't comfort me. He doesn't pray with me. He doesn't try to understand uh, the depths of my hurt. Um, and he doesn't stand with me. I don't believe him. I don't believe his words. And, and even if I did on Sunday, I, I still feel it's not a reliable, safe place to go to with my pain because um, he either doesn't understand me or doesn't care. Doesn't care. Yeah. That, uh, if you want to get down to the very bottom of it, he just doesn't care. And so I think we communicate so much with our silence and we communicate a lot with our absence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have a, a group of people marching for a basic human right or um, which which no one would agree that education is a is a right for people, you know, that's in. Bolivia, they have a list of rights for children. You have the right to, you know, loving parents, mm-hmm. home, lights, um, education. Uh, but no one argues that, you know, um, because it's written down. But but outside of what's written down, we don't we don't fight for it. Um, and when people do fight for it, we say, oh, don't fight for that. You're you're causing division. And it's like, no, because the voices, the, the, it's. We need to. Um, I think go back to like all of us being image bearers, you know, like really, really asking ourselves if we see our neighbor as an image bearer of Christ. And the Bible doesn't say in the beginning God created only people that would in the future become children or or Christians bear his image. He says that we all bear his image. So if we can't see our neighbor um, in the image of Christ and, and give them the dignity that they deserve, as children of God and um, and love them deeply, uh, then we can't we can't stand with them. And if we don't stand with them, then then where's our love? Our love is is void. It's um, just like clanging symbols, you know. Uh, so I think as missionaries, we need to we need to stand in the gap for the between the church and people that are not of the church, first of all, but also just as human beings, just just put some works to our our words, you know. Faith, yeah. Um, you know, and I think most people I know, at least, that are missionaries, I just think this isn't something that they've thought about because we've been like in missions. We have these all these unwritten rules and stuff, and it's just the way you do it. But if we look back at when those rules were kind of made or written, it was in an age of supremacy when the missionaries that came saw the people as savages and they were congratulated for coming and meeting, you know, you lived over there for, you know what I mean? And this essentially comes from you lived with those savages for three years. I can't believe it. And you literally only came to basically, um, yeah, preach the gospel in air quotes, but uh, tame them is the way that you, you know, people, people saw in their, in their, in their own, from their own point of view or whatever. And so when people would come and you can read missions books and they talk about, um, Bruce goes one specifically, he talks about how he was going through the jungle (laughs) And he randomly like went past this like this village deep in the jungle and they had on like button up shirts and stuff. And the people that he's with make a comment about the people, you know, wearing their, their shirts. And he's like, they all looked all like, I don't know, drab and sad or whatever. And they basically became enslaved to the Western ways. And like a missionary went there and told them they need to put these shirts on and need to, you know, dress like me and whatever. And that, that's what that's. We have to be very careful in missions because a lot of our cues that we take and a lot of our ideologies and thoughts are from that period when that was not. We have some missionary heroes. We have some missionary heroes from that period, but that is not the golden age of you know what I mean. Like 
you had to be very careful because of some dark stuff going on in the world at that time, just like there is now. But um, in terms of uh, supremacy and viewing people as equals, that was not um, a nor- normal, maybe, but not the, the most likely practice at the time. And so just seeing things from that perspective, understanding that's how the world was, and then like, okay, well, maybe we need to filter all of our missions and kind of rethinking rethinking our unwritten missions rules, you know, about why, why is it that we don't want to get involved in their issues? And why are they their issues if we're brothers and sisters in Christ? If we are, you know, part of the church and their, their local church here or our local church here, if I'm a part of this local church, then how can I like just say good luck when everybody's going through a tough time and going through their causes or whatever, you know what I mean? Or when, say, a woman in the, in the neighborhood gets raped and the police don't do anything about it, don't even investigate, and which I've been involved in a march like this before. Um, the police don't do anything about it and just kind of like let it roll. Like, wh- why am I? Why do I? Why would I even think and say like, oh, that's their issue? I'm just here to preach the gospel. Well, but your gospel, if you're just preaching it and you're not willing to stand with people and love people and you know definitely pray with people, visit people, whatever, but also stand with people in their pain and demand justice because we can do that. These people work for us. The public servants that we we hired them in, in in the voting booth, so we we also have the right to demand something from them. And so, obviously, not in a violent way, but definitely we can make our voices heard. We can march and we can have signs and we can sign petitions, so on and so forth. We can chant and all this other stuff. And so, it, it's hard for for me to say that. Oh yeah, I'm just preaching the gospel if all I'm doing is preaching on Sundays. But I'm not loving people throughout the week because again, I don't. I'm not. And we talked about this on our videos on Sundays. I'm not for like, oh, we'll just love them and they'll ask us about our faith by the way that we love them. Like that's, that's gymnastics. Like we're not, that's ridiculous. Um, if we don't preach the gospel with the words, the focus is on us. We just do good deeds. The good deeds just point to us. Mm. So we do the good deeds that support what we're talking about and really prove and give evidence of the transformation that's taking place in our lives. But that the evidence is worked out through the way that we live, not in just what we say. But the gospel, like I said, is something to be proclaimed. I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying. It's something to be proclaimed in words, but also something to be uh, those words that you said and the idea be walked out. Because we talk about I'm in, uh, Romans 1.16 says, I'm unashamed of the gospel. And it talks about has the power to transform. Well, if it has the power to transform, where's the transformation in you? Oh, look, my tie, my shit. Like, well, that isn't, oh, I moved here to be with you. Like, that's not, you can move anywhere. You know what I mean? And so you haven't been transformed, but you're telling me it's transformative. Yeah. And so for me, again, this is, and this could be, I could be wrong on some of this, but for me, the transformation looks like loving people further along than what you would have done when you weren't a believer. So what we have now, though, is we have people who are non-believers who are willing to stand in the gap with people and just to walk and do these things with people and support them. But it only points to themselves. That's a hopeless thing. And so what I'm saying is when we're matched with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we match that with those works. It's not just a march at this point. Now, we are loving you and we're, we're, we're proving who we are in Jesus and showing that you have hope in Jesus. And we're pointing to him at the end of the march or during the march and everything that follows up in our discipleship. We're pointing to the hope that we have in Jesus. And we're, we're building relationships with, the, with those people and sh- not showing them, I love you, brother. And just saying that every week, I, you know, I love you, brother. That's great. We need to hear those words sometimes, but also showing them I'm here for you. I'm here with you. And it's not just about my message that I have. My message goes down to the deep, nastiest of depths that no one sees, down to um, 
the rape to the inequality in school systems to the, you know, so on and so forth, to the zoning, to the inequality in the way that our streets are taken care of. Like that my faith goes all the way to the depths and doesn't leave any stone uncovered of loving my neighbor. And so just really being able to demonstrate that to the people around us, I think, is very, you know, um, very important and, and even and necessary and possibly mandatory. Right. Like. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying every missionary needs to grab their picket, what it's sign or whatever. And like, uh, it, again, we don't adopt any cause, but at the same time, there are causes that are directly related, you know, to uh, injustice. Injustice, and the Bible is full of, <laughs> like, talks about how much God loves injustice. The whole Old Testament is based on God's hate for injustice. Like, more, it's that's what's happening. Is it's going back and forth. They're, the Israelites are taken captive and people treat them unjustly. They're freed. Um, they, get, they come to power. They take over people and treat them unjustly, which sends them back into, <clears throat> sends them back into captivity. And, and it just goes back and forth like that because no one is acting justly. And no one's treating anyone with, you know, with, with, with justice. And so I, God, go ahead. No, I was just... I, I'm thinking of a quote, I can't remember um, the, the person who said it, but it's a reporter who said that um, if we can give a negative connotation to uh, a positive word, so he's talking about language, right? Um, then we can convince evangelicals that anything right is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I, changed, I didn't change his words, but I said it in different I've, order. Order, yeah. But that's, that was the message of his uh, his what he was saying and it's I just look at it because it's like justice is is the foundation <laughs> of of what it is to be a Christian like um from the very from the gospel like justice is you know we get we're gonna get what we deserve but Jesus Christ did this and took our took the price for for our uh rasha right our wickedness mm-hmm. our evilness and um and and then we go Back, I just think that as Christians, we we throw words around, we throw justice around, we throw love around, we throw uh, transformation mm-hmm. around, like you were talking about. But we don't know what it is. Like I, I remember Roman's uh, preached a series on justice and at church, and uh, my, my mind was blown. Like I had no idea that this this is the, a theme throughout the gospel, throughout the Bible, justice and righteousness, and it's just like. Oh, I just thought, you know, it was isolated to like two, three scriptures that says to do justice, seek justice, you know, um, seek righteousness. Um, but but even so, how many times do we ask a believer what is justice? And, and then we uh, we um, immediately think of what the world has told us justice is. And so that's why a lot of times we're discouraged <coughs> to seek justice in situations. Um, but we will pray for it. Like that's that's our limit. I pray for justice, you know, and, and I got so many messages like that. Uh, when my father died, he was murdered, and um, and people were saying, "I just pray for justice. I pray for justice to be served." But they had the very power as citizens of Philadelphia to go and march to hold the police accountable. Because to, they weren't doing anything. They weren't doing anything. They weren't even coming forth to see if anybody had information. Why aren't you revealing these videos? Why why can't we see them? And nothing. Everybody was just silent, apart from attending the funeral and saying, "We pray for justice." And and I think that's that's how we are as believers. It's like, I'm not saying prayer in no way has doesn't have the ability to move mountains and to, to heal the world. But I'm just saying God didn't just send us here to pray. He would have just kept us all in, in heavenly glory. You know, we would have never been birthed um, or created if 
if we didn't need to to work on on this earth you know and i think justice is seeking justice as missionaries as anyone is is work and mm. and we are not accustomed to work um, which sadly it's sad yeah. you know we're not accustomed to hard work you know? yeah <clears throat> i think christianity and and what what happens when we give our life to christ isn't it's an ugly process that it looks ugly but it's making something beautiful and it's only ugly because of our sins not because god hates us or he's punishing us or anything like that but like we're being re- renewed and redeemed and sanctified and so we're going through these processes of growing and and conforming to his image but in the midst of that too we're also reaching other people with the gospel and spreading and teaching the gospel and so we're seeing this con- but that requires getting getting dirty if you want to help someone out of the mud, you're going to get dirty. And I think we've taken all these justice talks and these love your neighbor talks, and we've made it into this Christian Disney world where it's like everything's pleasant. Yeah, love. Yeah, God. Yeah. And we, you know, remember that was a thing. People said, yeah, God. And like, you know, cheering God on and just made it this very cute thing when Christianity is a very, um, it's not dark. I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but like it's a, it's a, it's a dirt, like you get dirty. Mm. You're going to get dirty. And Jesus uses the example of shepherds, you know, shepherds or yeah, shepherds shepherding sheep and things like that. And that's not a clean job. You're dirty. You, you're sleeping outside all the time. You know what I mean? You're not taking showers for God knows how long. I guess when you lead them to a brook, you probably bathe with the sheep, which is also not a good idea. When the sheep, you're grabbing the sheep, handling sheep, you're fighting beast off, you're getting cut, you're bleeding. You're not going to the hospital because you got to leave the sheep. So you're patching yourself up. So you're walking around patched up where you've, you know, David, it's talking about he killing, he's killing bears and all this other stuff. And so, but then also when a sheep runs away, now you have to go off walking through briar patches, through mud and marshes and fighting off animals <laughs> attacking you while you're looking for this lost sheep. You find the sheep, you pick it up and you break its leg. You're holding it over your neck. That's why you have the pictures of Jesus holding it. That thing is peeing on you. It's pooping on you and all this other stuff as you bring it back to the flock because you grabbed it and you broke its leg to make it have, have a greater dependence on you. And so when you break its leg, it, any animal when you grab it and you hurt it, it's going it's, it's gonna to like let loose all of its things <laughs> out of fear. And so, and so you break its leg and so you smell like junk. And, and the thing is, when a sheep runs away from a shepherd, it goes through a lot of stuff to get away from the flock. And whatever that sheep goes through to get to the flock, you have to go through to get that sheep. Not once, but twice. First, you have to go, you follow him through it, and then you get him, and on the way back, you carry him back through whatever it is to get to, take him back to the flock and to restore him and bring him back to health. And my point is not saying you have to send the reach center. That's not what I'm saying at all. My point is this is not a cute, dancey, you know, like, a, oh, it's, it's not a cutesy religion at all. It is a, it is a down and dirty, get your, you know, pull your, your, roll your sleeves up and get dirty religion. And it doesn't look like just coming and doing your Sunday production once a week. That's mm-hmm. not what it looks like. You can do your production on Sunday, whatever. That's a different topic for a different day. You can do that. However, if like we talked about in Amos, in Amos 5, if it is absent from seeking justice, or, or even if it is not just not seeking justice, but ignoring injustices, which I guess more or less is the same thing, and ignoring the cause of the poor, then it, God hates it. God hates it. He absolutely hates our little offering that we do on Sunday. Yay, I gave a million dollars in the offering. That's great. But God hates that if you are ignoring injustices and you're not like seeking to help the poor, which is an injustice within and of itself. Um, and so this is a dirty, and it's not, injustice is not doing an event once a year 
we do a Christmas, you know, show for the neighbors. That's good. But that is not confronting injustices. So we do. We, so even those of us who are, quote unquote, seeking justice or we care about justice or we love justice, we do one or two little cutesy things a year to try to check it off the list and make it. But there's still things that, that don't require us to get dirty. And so it's almost like if my daughter falls in, the, you know, falls off a bridge into the water and I have on new shoes and I'm like, oh, she fell in the water. Oh, <laughs> but I don't want to get my shoes. Done. You know what I mean? At that point, you can have shoes, you can have new clothes and, and you should steward and take care of those clothes just as we should our services and our practices. But there are moments that when something happens that our shoes and our clothes are no, not important compared to this thing. Yeah. And those things are injustices. And I'm not talking about injustice just on a practical level. I'm talking about the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is not just a love that exists in, e in, in eternity. It's a love that begins now and it carries us to eternity when we accept it and we embrace it and we, 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 we step into it and fully accept it for what it is. It carries us into eternity. But a lot of times we make the gospel about something that's just for eternity. And so I just want to preach these words to you and read the scripture to you and memorize this verse and memorize that verse. But I'm very absent in the everyday walk. But it, it, it's so crazy that we can even get to that point. Because what do you see Jesus doing? He's healing people. That's health care. I mean, it doesn't take... You don't have to... <laughs> It's absolutely—it's he's, healthcare. He's why is he feeding five thousand people and then walking away, basically saying, "Ah, they don't really care too much," because they're hungry. You know, he's all like he's doing all these like he's always with people. He's always taking care of their basic needs. And the thing is, is the the healing that he gave on the physical part was temporary. He's going to like this is the thing is if you are lame and you you lame. I don't mean like not funny. I mean like lame literally. Like if your leg doesn't work or whatever. We believe and we pray for your healing and we'll stand with you for healing. But even if you're not healed, we know that in the resurrection, you will be made, restored and made new. So as we stand and focus on your healing here, that's not our only focus. We understand. So Jesus knew that as well. And in the resurrection, all things are going to be reconciled back to him. He knew that. He knew that that was going to happen, but he still cared enough to now let me heal you. Why is he healing people? Obviously, so, that he, so to show off his glory and show who he was, but also so these people could get back to work. Because if you are sick, if you're a leopard, you're poor. You, have no, you can't provide for yourself and whatever. And so he's contributing to them being able to provide for themselves and contribute to society. They have a purpose for life. But in the midst of all that, in that healing that's taking place, in the, love, the step of love that's taking place, he's revealing who he is. So that, and he heals those 10 lepers and they all leave. And he says, and one comes back. He said, didn't I heal 10 of you? And that's the thing is because he's showing his love, but his love in the fullness of his love, there's an understanding of who he is and what he's done for you. And his grace is sufficient for us. And it carries us all throughout eternity. And so when one guy comes back, he's like, wait, <laughs> and that's going to happen to us. Right. If Jesus helped one, per if he helped 10 people and 10 percent of those um, 10, only 10 percent of those people came back, which is one person. That's going to happen to us. We're going to love our neighborhoods. We're going to love our communities. And we're going to do this. And we want them to come to our church. We want them to go to a church. We want them to give their lives to Christ. But sometimes it's on, the return is only going to be 10%. And does that mean, that, oh, we only do this if we know that you're... No. Jesus knew that those people weren't going to come back to him, but he did it anyway. So he, Because it was a step of love that he took, caring about the well-being of the vulnerable people. And I think, yes, we definitely need to have the gospel on the beginning of it and the end of it. Not this, like, the gospel is not a side, not an asterisk at the bottom. It, it's, it, the whole thing is, is, should be wrapped in the gospel. However, we can't make the gospel of, of such an eternal thing that it's, it really is no good here. We're just giving you a ticket to heaven, and that's not what it's about. It's about loving you here and now and for eternity. 
It's about, recon- yes, all things will be reconciled back to him in heaven, but we don't wait for that. So we seek that now, we pursue that, now we pursue reconciliation. When we love our enemy, that's what we're doing. We're, lo- we're, we're, we're living as if this has already happened, as if we're already there, even though we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. In a place, showing an example of who Jesus is in our life and the transformation that's taking place because of the gospel in our lives. So we're doing that and walking that out now because we know that we're, we're uh, citizens of the kingdom and we're not citizens of the kingdom first. And even though we're not necessarily in the eternal kingdom yet, we live, we live as if we're citizens of there. So we live in Bolivia and we're Americans. You're English. You still live as if you're an English person living in Bolivia. That's your, that's your first citizenship. You're not a Bolivian citizen, but even if you were, you would still be of English citizenship first. That's the way you, you were raised there. That's, and that's the way we're, we're taught to live the kingdom. And so we do kingdom works here. So what does that look like? It does look like fighting for justice. Not just that, but it looks like fighting for justice, seeking, uh, go, fighting against injustices and seeking justice for the vulnerable and the forgotten and the poor and the ignored and the abused and so on and so forth. That's what it looks like. At no moment is this a cute, yay, religion. I mean, now we've made it that, but that's not what it's about. I think uh, sometimes as a church, we separate ourselves from doing those justice, justices and fighting against injustices because we see that the quote-unquote world is doing it and we don't, mm, we yeah, we don't, don't want, to look like them. want to look like them. Right. And so... So what do we do? We just, I'm not saying this is wrong, but when, when there's a need, you ever see people in the church just spread their hand out to the person and pray for them? It's like, can't even walk up to them and <laughs> pray with them. Yeah. <laughs> you just, just stretch your hand out. I well, understand like, if it's a big church, you know. But. It, and I mean, I think prayer is always the right answer. However, prayer is never, was never meant to be used as a cop-out. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like, man, you know, Simon needs $5 to pay his rent. Oh, let's just stretch your hand and pray. Man, pull out five bucks, stretch bro. Stretch your hand out and give him five. Yeah, like, bro, like, come on. Like, what are you praying about? Yeah. You have five bucks in your wallet. Maybe like, that, I mean, to that point, I wonder if if as, as Christians, we don't know how to, like, we know that we're supposed to do these things. We're supposed to love, but how do I love in this situation? Or we know we're supposed to do justice, but how do I do justice? I can't certainly do justice for every single issue in the world. So if I can't do it for everything, then I'm just going to come here, sit back, and pray for everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I remember doing that, uh, having that struggle when we were in the Dominican Republic, and we went there to um, start a ministry against sex trafficking, work with girls who were sex trafficked minors. And... Um, and I just remember thinking, man, but then there's this issue, and then there's this issue, and then there's this issue. Like, if you try to dedicate your life to doing, uh, fighting against all of this, you get worn out. So how do we, how do we do it? And and I think well, what is, the response has been not to do it. But define worn out. Does that? What do you mean worn out? As in like just tired, or do you mean worn out? As in well, there's no time to seek things in your own personal life, to seek bucket lists and stuff like that. Oh, but both, both. But that's what we're not called. That's, so it goes back to that, right? Mm-hmm. We're not called to bucket lists. We're not called to dream houses and dream cars. I'm not saying you can't have a house. I'm not saying you can't have a car. But that's not the... If, if your life is filled with fighting injustices, so filled with fighting stuff and so sacrificial that you don't have time for your dream house, well done, my good and faithful servant. I guarantee it. If you're doing that from the heart of the gospel, not just doing stuff... Whatever, but with Jesus at the beginning, Jesus being the source, but Jesus being the resource, but also Jesus being the goal, well done. Mm. Even if you live under a bridge your entire life. So, because that's the thing is, we're taught with this American Christianity that, yeah, 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 we do that, we do that. But man, I need, yeah, I, I, it's gonna, I, 
I either have time to work these overtime shifts for my from to save up for the boat that I want, mm. or I can fight against these things that I claim are near and dear to my heart, like abortion. Mm. I just I, I can't do everything. You know, just stretch your hand towards the abortion clinics, and then I'm gonna go get my boat. This is rich young ruler stuff. It, it's this is Christianity 101, but we have hijacked the faith and turned it into a democracy. So we think that's what we're fooling ourselves. We think we we've turned it into a democracy, thinking that we can veto what Jesus has, has proclaimed and declared and, and, and sent us to do. And that we can outvote him and say, oh, you know what, God, but we really want boats. I, you know, I just really want a walk in closet. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with having those things. I'm not, I'm, that's not my point. My point is is if there are injustices taking place that you are ignoring and constantly ignoring so that you can have these things for yourself, these things that, were, that moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this is, this is who we are, though, right, as Western Christians. This is who we are, and this is what, what we've even been taught. No one gets up and says this directly, but this is the culture and the... the this is what we get from when we're in our, with our brothers and sisters because everybody else does this, so we think it's okay to pers- to have these like our our side pursuits are not the personal and our side pursuits are justice when justice is never called to be a side pursuit, and ever. But we've made that all oh, in my spare time or if I have some extra time once a year, I'll go to the what is it called the, the kitchen with the food the soup kitchen soup kitchen or whatever, and that's great. Do it by all means. I know you can't go to the soup kitchen every day, and it's not about wearing yourself out physically. It's about what are the priorities of of, of you as a believer. Yeah, uh, I think on top of that, like a couple of things going back to what you're saying. You know, people see injustices and they get tired and get worn out. I think that comes from a sense of. Sometimes when you see injustices and you see things going on around you or you discover things, you kind of feel like you're like the first person to have ever Mm. seen that issue. And then all of a sudden you feel like, wait, am I the only person fighting this? Um, And that's a really tiring mindset to have. And that just wears you out. And I know that because I experienced it last (laughs) December, January time when I went to Santa Cruz. And it was my first proper time like staying in that city. I've been to that city a few times but this was like the first time where I traveled in every day. I traveled around it. I saw different parts. Um, and every single day, I'd see a street kid, just a, a child, because I'd get there early in the morning, like 7.30 in the morning, I'd, I'd walk through the streets. And there'd just be kids sleeping in the street. And this is the first time that I'd ever seen kids just sleeping in the mm-hmm. street. Like, okay, these kids are actually homeless. They have nowhere to go. Then you see them later on in the day, and they just look absolutely out of their heads, whether they're drunk or on drugs or both or whatnot. And you're like, well, like, and it hits you so hard. You're like, man, this is a major injustice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking, I have to do something about this. But I live in Trinidad, and mm-hmm. I do this, and I do that. I mean, all of a sudden, you're so overwhelmed yeah. with this whole, I need to do something about this injustice, but I don't know how because I don't live here. I don't work here. I don't know this city. What do I do? What do I do? Um, and I think that's where, that's where you become so tired and worn out. And I think, from my experience, the first thing you need to do is research is somebody else in that mm-hmm. city mm-hmm. doing something mm-hmm. about this problem that you've seen because i guarantee it 99.9 percent of the times you yes. won't be the first person yeah, to have seen that problem you won't be the first person to have walked through santa cruz and say well wait on a minute yeah there's a problem <laughs> here there's kid there's kids sleeping on the street like i'm i'm not the first person to have seen that um so um, i went to one of the the local churches um and on their on their i don't know what you call it the board bo- yeah board, board, board whatever board, yeah, yeah. Board. Um, they had they had projects on there. One of them was for for street kids in Santa Cruz. So I just dropped them an email and just said, "Hey, 
look, this is the, these are the streets that I've been walking on. These are the streets that I've seen kids um, going on. I'm only here for this certain amount of time. If you need any more information, contact me, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so there's always something you can do, something Absolutely. positive you can do um, about it. You know, whether you're there, whether you live there or whether you're just visiting, there's always something you can do. Um, and I was actually hoping to go back to that charity um, and do a visit with them. They offered me like a little tour around of what they do. Obviously, I can't do that now because mm-hmm. of COVID-19. Um, yeah. But, you know, but as soon as I reached out and as soon as I, I've, you know, I felt, okay, there are other people fighting this cause yeah, as well. Absolutely. That takes the weight um, mm. off. You don't need to be the only one that carries that. You know, and that doesn't mean stop fighting for it. That doesn't mean, okay, cool, someone else is sorting it. I don't need to worry about it. Um, you still need to do your part. You still need to do something because, um, and again, going back to similar uh, to what we talked about a minute ago, I think we've convinced ourselves because there's that saying where, oh, something is better than nothing. So mm-hmm. I think we've convinced ourselves that doing something is better than doing nothing. But that often, not always, but that often means that doing something, what am I trying um, it it often means that doing so- doing something hides or takes away from doing going further or doing yeah, the yeah. right thing. That's uh, what I'm uh, trying to say. So it's like if Ramon's going for a problem, oh, I'll bake him a cake. Now that's great. He might really like the cake, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we've we fixed his injustice yeah, or yeah. what he's going through. And I think we've convinced ourselves that yeah, if I just do something, oh, if I just reach out my hand and pray, I've done my part. I've done my bit. Now I can move on with my life. Yeah, I yeah. think we've convinced ourselves. Um, Minimum. Yeah, that. Yeah, doing something is better than nothing. Okay, that means I'll do the minimum that I can get away with. I'll bake them a cake. Uh, I'll drop them an email. I'll do this. We're actually we're called to go further. We're called to do more. As you were saying, like the shepherd example. You know, we are called to go further. We're called to do more um, than just that one minimal act. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's really easy for us to fall into that mindset of because this is like a worldwide issue right so it's the uk church has the same issue that the american church has so this is going to be something in order to fix in order to change it's going to, going to take you know action it's going to mm-hmm. take checking yourself it's going to take every person individually going okay am i standing up yeah. for injustice yeah. am i doing my part yeah um there's something that just won't ah yes that, yeah. i listen to this podcast and now problem solved you know <laughs> f, f, you're going to have to do your part That's daily because yeah. um, i remember like you mentioned it really briefly we were when we went to reyes Mm. And on our like final day or something in Reyes doing the doing the school's work, they had a march on, um, and they invited us to the march. Mm-hmm. It would have been so easy to say, "Oh, we're not from Reyes. Mm. We don't live in Reyes. You know, this is this is something they can do." Um, but then the more you thought about it, the more you realise it. it's like, "Okay, what's the march about?" Uh, it's a woman that got raped. Um, it's been happening time after time, and the police aren't doing anything about it. And you're like, hang on a minute, that's an injustice. Like, am I not against? Yeah. Am I not against that thing happening? Like, uh, I just need a nap. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean preaching all day. It's really easy to just go try and take the easy way out and just be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll support. Yeah, we'll pray for you as you're on the march. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just oh, we did something uh, rather than rather than doing as much as you possibly can. I think what people need to understand is that the marches um, and, and why I feel we should be part of marches, depending on their, you know, their calls, is that and injustice. A lot of times, as as the church, we um, we comfort the victim of the injustice, but to seek justice is to challenge the systems that mm-hmm. uh, that allow, this that to allow it to mm-hmm. happen and to continue to happen, and, and don't um, punish the the perpetrator mm-hmm. or you know the the. Mm-hmm guilty party yeah. or should be guilty you know and sometimes in some cases it looks like these systems protect the perpetrator mm-hmm. and so those 
we our faces need to be shown in those situations the church needs to rise up during those situations and say this needs to change because um but i think i think both sides too are important you know we absolutely do comfort the victim and help the victim um heal restore from whatever crime or injustice was was uh, uh taken against them but but also to take it further like you said where education comes into play is knowing who is allowing this to happen and then confronting that and getting to the root of that and, and challenging them to for change, you know? Yeah. I think like the, and that's the thing is Christians should play a key role in these things. And because we have the Holy spirit inside of us, which definitely reveals to us and, and the discernment and things like that reveals to us the, the deep seated like roots of different issues and things like that. And it's not, I don't mean it like a mystical way of like going to the courthouse and the Lord saith unto me, like, no, like they're not going to listen to you. But like definitely like bringing up stuff that a non-believer wouldn't think about, but they would agree that it's an injustice. Because I think a lot of these systems, it's the same thing. Like I talked about the missionary systems and stuff like that are just ideas that have always existed and no one's even thought about it. We just kind of go along. And I think rules and laws a lot of times are the same way. Like a lot of these laws are written back in the 18, 1900, early 1900s. And so it's times when everybody didn't have the same rights or women weren't seen as equals or black people or people of color in general weren't seen as equals. And no one who's been in power has even thought, just thought about it just because, oh yeah, these are the rules. These are the laws, you know, think about it. So I think sometimes believers have to see these things and step up and be like, Hey, that's not right. This is not how we, and nine times out of 10, I think if you're, you're going to say something reasonable, if you're a believer, but I think they're going to look at it and be like, Oh, you're right. That is, not because they're not seeing the world through the same lens that you're seeing it. And so I think that's why it's so important that we be vocal is because we see things through the lens of Jesus. And we see things, we see the world how Jesus sees it. At least that's what we strive to do. We see how Jesus sees things. And so we want people to have basic necessities and, you know, have like some type of, to be able to live. You know, we think, we talk about in abortion, everybody has the right to life. It's absolutely right. But it's, that goes beyond the womb, you have a right to live. Now, there's some other rights that you can argue back and forth and whatever, but everyone has the right to live, which means you have the right to eat and you have the, you know, so, so there's a lot of different things there. But I think we are the ones that should be at the front line of this, like saying, wait a minute, no, especially with some of these old ways of thinking and old, definitely challenging it and not in a belligerent type of way, but in like a, hey, this is not, does it, you know, and having meetings, definitely, if you can have meetings with the mayor and with the mayor's office and whatever, that's what, you know, we plan to do, we were planning to do before all the stuff happened and we couldn't even leave the house. But anyways, like, but getting involved with the government and trying to work together with them instead of always being against them and preaching again. I saw a video last week about, um, there's a big church, um, and there's, you know, with all the COVID-19 stuff and the quarantine and, and the government was saying that, um, you know, you, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but you can only meet a certain, and the guy got on stage the first week that, you know, they had service and basically spent what seemed like the whole time just going after the mayor. And and first, it's not even the mayor's fault. Like <laughs> He's not even making that call. But second of all, he's like, you just want the church to be shut down because you're liberal and stuff. And it's like, no, that's not. Listen, if they wanted the church to be shut down, the church would be shut down. Let me let's make no bones about that. So there's no way like we just want the church to be shut down only to be reopened later. Like that's not they're just thinking not they're not thinking from, from perspective of the kingdom of God, obviously. But they're just trying, they're trying their best to help. And so I think having meaningful conversations and gaining influence with, you know, government offices and stuff like that is, is a big deal, you know. And I think, um, and we should be 
look for peaceful ways to find solutions in those instead of always just looking to march to march march mm. march and well you have you even talked about it yet because they may be like yeah we agree and we just need we want we want to hear some people's thoughts but no one's ever even you know what i mean so there's different ways to do it but we should be concerned about these things we should be concerned about these issues and seeking solutions for all of them you know yeah and i think too we as a church we have to realize too that the government isn't always the enemy like a lot of times the government has stepped up because the church has failed to do their duty in, yeah. in taking care of the orphans and widows like you have government ran orphanages you have government um uh, widows receiving funds or stipends um, on behalf of the government because their husband died and can't support their children. And, sorry, no, but we criticize that. Oh, look at the state of this orphanage. Look at this. But the problem is, is because they don't have the love of Jesus in them to to go to the deepest depths to mm-hmm. provide all the needs. So they're doing they're doing the bare the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. However, they're doing the bare minimum because no one else has stepped up, and we're called to take care of the widow and the orphan. And it doesn't mean that the government shouldn't do anything. Yeah, whatever. But we're complaining about something that we're not willing to do. Yeah. And so it's like, and really, and again, it, it's not that they're doing a good job at it, but they're only, they'll only have to do it is because we won't. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you want orphan, you don't like their state of orphanages, then adopt. Like, I know in most states, the church could end the orphan crisis or whatever, like now, like today. Yeah, yeah. A statistic from the UK. Um I can't remember what the charity's called, but it's it's a Christian charity fighting um, for fostering mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, and the guy who heads it up says, if one family from every church in the UK wow. adopted, just one family from every church in the UK adopted someone, there'd be no more there'll be no more yeah. um, wow. kids in the foster care yeah. system because that like that problem doesn't go away. But straight away, all the kids in the waiting in the foster care system now would all have a home. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the gays. <laughs> but the gay, gay marriage, Simon. Like, you know what I mean? No, like, but pro life. Like, this is, yeah, is pro life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But abortion kills children. Like, yeah, it does. And we, but those are all things that we use to draw attention away from that. That's so that's incredible. not like, you said one. One family from each church. That's not even doing the bare minimum. Like, just one family. That's, that's not even trying. Just one. <laughs> one family from every church would end it. That's embarrassing. Like, it really is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially for such a pro-life crowd. Like, what What do we want? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What do we want? To end abortion and injustices. What else do we want? Comfort. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think the Bible explains those voices just perfectly, clanging symbols. Like, you're just making yeah. noise. Just shut up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's better that you just be quiet at this point. You know what I mean? Like, because you have an opportunity to do. And like you said, let's think. Oh, but we don't have the finances. But you said one family from each church. Hey, church. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, hey, church, we want to do this, but we don't have the finances. All 5,000 of you. And I don't know if you guys have churches that big. But in the States, we do. So all 10,000, 5,000 members of you, hey, we need help adopting the, the, this, these two kids. And adoption fees are free, so we don't need help with that. We don't have the income to be able to support them. So we believe as a church, can you just please join with us and somehow we can set up some type of fund to help. Like, You don't even have to adopt. You can give a dollar a week to this family and your mega church and, I mean, you pay for their house like that. So it's just, it's not even that we can't, it's that we don't want to. There's no effort. But you know what? Everybody stretch your hand towards the orphanage over there and we're just going to pray against the, the spirit of, of of a of fostering and like what are you talking not, about not even not even the orphanage over there in our city it's the orphanage over in africa that we want to pray for yeah. as a church it's like 
There are people, local children, locally. Who but are. that gives. Sorry, I keep. Going <laughs> but that, I'm just. I'm, I'm getting worked up. Worked so go ahead. Up, sorry. Yeah. No, that, that's. But that gives us an excuse to not do anything. Oh, the, in 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 Malawi, in Malawi, there's an orphanage over there. Let's just pray because we live. You know, we live in in Charleston, West Virginia. So we're just gonna stretch our hand. Which way is Malawi? <laughs> hey, Bill. Which way is Malawi? It's this. Uh, it's this way. Okay, everybody, stretch your hands toward Malawi. There's an orphanage that needs, and that gives us an out because we're praying for the orphan in Malawi, and we have the excuse of, oh, we don't live in Malawi, so we can't go there every day. We go once a year, or once every two years, or once every five years, or we send ten bucks here and there. But we can't go because God has called me here to Charleston, West Virginia, or to uh, you know, wherever, Miami, Florida, whatever, the case, or to Trinidad, Bolivia. God has called me here so we can't do anything for them. So let's just stretch our hands. But we stretch our hands. When we stretch our hands, we're stretching it over every orphanage between here and Malawi. Every, you know, foster home or whatever between here and Malawi. And that's, that's it's wrong. It's not wrong to pray for the orphanage in Malawi. That's not wrong. But that we're using that as an excuse yeah. to go again, you know what I mean? To, to not be obedient and do what we're supposed to do. That, I, that's wrong. I remember when, when we adopted Jolie, uh, we had a lot of friends say, man, I wish I could do that. And I'm sitting there like, if we could, <laughs> nine months pregnant <laughs> um, with a missionary, on a missionary budget in a, another country with no family help, um, do it. Not, please understand me i'm not saying like if we could do it you could do it because we're so we're not i'm not saying we're great we're we just really not but but just the fact that we did have very little and but when you understand what's at stake it doesn't matter in my opinion you know it doesn't matter what what you feel you do or don't have the chance the likelihood of you having more than enough to do it is very high you it's just like he said. You just don't want to do it. You just yeah. It's very possible. <sighs> I don't know. I think, but you know, it's frustrating. But it's frustrating because I'm I'm realizing as we talk, like, man, we need to be not. It's not even we need to do more. We just need to understand mm-hmm. what we're doing more. You know what I mean? And like, and who we are more, and what you know, what we're supposed and who we're called to be, and all this other stuff. And it's like, and again. It goes back to what you guys were saying about the getting worn out, because it is a thing. You get worn out. But why should anybody be worn out when there are millions and millions of believers all over the world? Hmm. The, why is anybody that's fighting for orphans and orphan rights or fighting against you know, uh, human trafficking or sex trafficking, whatever, you know, any cause, right? Abuse of women or abuse of kids, whatever. Why is anybody getting exhausted, getting exhausted doing that? And maybe they're called to do that full time, but we're all called to care about this cause. Yeah. So why are they, well, I, I can't go to Thailand and face it, but you can send money on a monthly basis. You buy Starbucks, you can send money. And with that money, they can hire a new worker, or maybe if you don't send enough, but you can get some people together at your church and you can get enough money to hire a worker or to pay their bills or whatever. That goes a long way. Because now, let's say I live here by myself and you guys aren't here or whatever, um, and I'm just busting my behind trying to get something done. And like, it's just me though. And I get like that there's churches in the United States and they're not going to move here. I mean, maybe you can move here, but I get that. Everybody's not going to move here. But what can you do? You can, if, if, when you send support, you're sending money that, so this, I can hire somebody to join alongside me and really share the burden. They're not going to take half because I'm the one that's going to be passionate about it, but they're going to take some of the burden off. And then another church can do the same to where I can provide for myself and hire another person. Now there's three of us. Mm-hmm. And not only are we able to 
accomplish more, but we're also able, like, I'm also able, my mental sanity, because we're a body, we're a team. It's the same thing we talked about last week, but it's from a different angle, right? When I, if I'm black and I'm going through uh, is, racial issues in America, I should be able to talk to my, my body of believers because we're a team. And so we should be able to stand up against and fight this, the, uh, better together at the same time. And it's the same thing if, you, if we are fighting against injustices or going through a hard time personally or whatever. We should be able to lean into our Christian community to be able to, so that I'm not, share, I'm not uh, carrying that whole burden by myself. We can share these burdens. And if we share it between a ton of us, again, with millions of believers all over the world, there's really no reason, and unfortunately it'll continue to be like this, but there's no reason for anyone to be exhausted, fight, you know. I mean, there's a choice, right, where you just work yourself, and, you know, because you're so passionate about it. That the more, I get that, but there's no like, there's no reason for anyone to be like, oh, just feel hopeless and like, no, you know, like they're on their own and kind of superhero or whatever, you know. And so I don't know. I think about even the the building that we're in right now. It it's a hospital started by missionaries, and uh, the missionaries returned to their home country, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, a, a Bolivian is running it, but a Bolivian doesn't have the funds that the missionary may have had because the missionary was able to advocate for the needs, uh, how much the community actually needs this place, how the community needs the nurses at a lower, lower cost than what other hospitals would charge them because there's, there's poverty here, you know? And so it's offering an option for, for healthcare, for people to stay healthy, get healthy, be healthy, for people just to live. <laughs> um, and, and to see the lack of support that it gets from the church, right? Because uh, I do believe that it, it, was, it was started by missionaries, so it was, has been supported by believers. Um, it's just there, there's a... I mean, I don't know, like, how, how do we get to that, this place, you know, to, to say, even from the beginning, we're passionate about it, and then over time, our, our passion for it just kind of, like, settles, or it, the fire kind of settles and dies out. The need is still very high, probably, sometimes even more, more so, um, but our, our eyes get a little blinded. I don't, not, that's not the word I wanted to use, but, but like I said, like, our passion just dies down for the need to help other people. Their situations haven't changed. People are not rich now, and so they can afford health care or they can afford to their sick baby to get better. Um, but, you know, to see that the nurses here uh, can't get paid with, not even what they should get paid, but just a fair fair wage, you know, to see the doctors basically having to do it for free, it just breaks my heart because as a church, we started, somebody started this as a church supporting this cause, you know, and it was a, it's a great one. Um, and then to see them struggle and suffer um, and, and not even know how to keep the doors open some months, it's just heartbreaking. And people just kind of being like, oh, well. You know, I think a lot of times we, we do things out of an emotional reaction. Mm. And that, that, that's fine to start like that. But the problem with that is, is we're doing it for ourselves so that we can feel good about ourselves. And so once that feeling or that emotional state or whatever goes away, then we kind of like stop caring, mm. you know. And we, we, can, we can act on emotion, but we have to under, remember and, and be sure that the root is from a place of transformation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and from who we are, our identity in, in Christ, not just how I feel. Yes, how I feel made me look that direction, 
but I can't be motivated just by my emotion because emotions are up and down. And so my level of commitment to any cause, if it's based on emotion, is going to be up and down. And see, that's the difference between social justice works through the church and social justice works through the government or secular organizations is that the, the end for them is just that. The end for us is Jesus and eternity. And so, and we are, that, that's supposed to be the difference is we are, because we are transformed people, transformed people transform. And transformed people are patient and understand that regardless of the circumstances or how I feel, I can still passionately pursue this as Jesus passionately pursued me when he was on that cross. Mm-hmm. And so like, we have to see from that place. But in, in the midst of all this too, I think we can lose, when I think some people, they, they, lose, they don't lose interest, they just lose hope. Like, oh, I can't do it anymore. But I think a lot of times, and this is, this is something we all fall into, is, is leaning on ourselves and depend, uh, not depending on, but counting on, on ourselves, like looking at our own strength and not at his strength. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to what you were saying a minute ago, is like, there's a, there's a fine line there because a lot of people say, oh, I'm just going to trust in the Lord and use that as an excuse to do the bare minimum, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can trust in the Lord that he's doing this project, but he's going to do it through me. Mm-hmm. And so it's his job to do the results, but it's my job to be obedient. So what has he told me to do? So let me just focus on being obedient mm. and let me leave the results to God. Mm. And that's the, it's going to work out in that way. Not saying if I don't do this, nothing will happen, even though initially that's a good stance to take because you can always throw it on somebody else. However, that's putting hope on yourself in yourself and your own ability to be able to do things. And you don't have, none of us have the ability to change the world just because we may make be no make a noticeable thing but changing the world is not a temporal thing it's an eternal thing Mm -hmm. and so we don't have the power to do that it's only but it's only the gospel of jesus christ that has the power and ability to do that so through that we in in him we live in him we you know move and whatever and uh, i forget the rest of the verse and have our being and have our being like so we do everything in him and we're seeking his good and his kingdom and to build his kingdom but not we're not doing that apart from him we do that through him and, and really trusting on him and seeking God in prayer of like, hey, and not as an excuse. Some, some people have been praying for 10 years about what to do about something. Mm-hmm. And it's just turned into an excuse for not doing something. And that's not what, so there's a, there's a huge balance in between yeah. that of like taking it all on yourself and thinking that it really depends on you because it doesn't. You're not a superhero. But at the same time, stepping back and saying, well, it just depends on God and whatever, you know, yeah. ne- neither, are, neither are right. Well, I think a good example would be the parable of the, of the, not the sower, the parable of the, you know, the parable of the three guys. They were mm-hmm. talents. The parable of the talents. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were each given a different, a certain amount of talents, and they were called to steward it. And one one man said, "Well, this 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 depends on me, and if it depends on me, I'm going to lose it all. So let me just bury this. And when God Jesus comes back, I'm going to be able to offer this back to him. And, and it was a terrible mistake on his part." Um, and and I I see us doing that. We we just say, God, you've given me this, and it's it's not enough. I'm going to end up I don't know wearing myself out or losing my mind or or not making a difference at all. So let me just let me just hold this here. And um, when you come back and say, Look, God, I still I offer this to you, you know. And and God's like that. That wasn't what I called you to do. That's not that wasn't the result I was looking for. Um, but but you know, to your point, it's like we do rely on God for the outcome, the fruit, the the progress, the change, the heart change, you know, uh, but also we do have to put in and steward what God gave us to yeah. to see change. Be you obedient, know? you know. Exactly. Be obedient. I think like the number of times 
that I've read stories of people who have started charities or who are leading projects now that are like global worldwide or things like that and you hear their stories and all the time it starts with them seeing an injustice and crying out to God like oh God what are you going to do about this injustice what are you going to do about this what are you going to do about that and I've read so many times the the answer that came back to these people was God saying to them I have done something about it I made you I called you I called you to do it and so many, I mean, like the charity that I love, Compassion, a uh, charity that, you know, you sponsor kids to go through schools mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, he saw a need. He, he saw a thing. He was like, God, why don't you do something about it? And God was like, I did. I made you. And so he did yeah. something about it. You know, and I think so often we have that. We have that mindset of, oh, man, God, why don't you do something about it? And then as soon as we say that, we kind of go in a corner and go, please don't say me. Please don't say me. Yeah, please yeah, don't yeah. say me. Because, yeah. you know. You want God something to do about something? You want God to do something about it without actually you having to do yeah. something about it? Yeah. Um, I think that's the mindset that we need to change. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, here I am, send me. Mm. You know, like, go, kind of move into that. Like, hey, what is it that you mm. want me to do? How can I be obedient even on a more, on a more specific basis or a specific, in a more specific way to, to, what, to what you've called me to do or what have you called me to do, you know? What am I passionate about? You know, there's, there's a lot of... I heard an example one time about... Um, it was t- talking about how God doesn't make chairs and tables. God makes trees. We make chairs and tables. And so, like, a lot of times we pray for chairs and tables. God, give me a chair. God, give me a table. God, give me a chair. Give me a table. And God's like, I gave you trees. Like, what? You d- I mean... You, you couldn't do any of this without, you know what I mean? So I gave mm. you everything that you need to be able to do it. Mm. And I sent you a mission to be able to do it. So, you know, we just want the magic to happen. But the, the thing is, the magic to happen is it, it takes away our opportunity to love one another as he loved us. It's to be that self-sacrificing love, to be able to really uh, drop my priorities and prioritize that of my neighbor. When God miraculously does things to solve these issues of injustice, it takes away our opportunity to grow in love for our neighbor and to love our enemy even. Mm. And so obviously there's, there's no excuse for taking ourselves out and making it like, whoa, we're just going to pray about it. You know, I think some people have been having prayer meeting about stuff for 40 years and it's things that maybe, again, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about it. That's not what I'm saying. But things that if we, after prayer meeting, we can have a planning meeting and see how can we solve this. Holy Spirit, lead us in our, in our prayer meeting. Yes guide us in our prayer meeting, inspire us, whatever motivates, transform us in our prayer meeting, but also in our planning meeting, planning meeting, give us ideas in our, in our prayer meeting for our planning meeting so that we can continue to walk out this obedience of what we're here for, you know, instead of being dismissive, like, oh, we're going to pray about it. Whoo, we pray for an hour. You know what I mean? And kind of like Pontius Pilate in our hands off, like, well, out of my hands now, did my part, you know, it's like you're saying doing the minimum, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of injustices here. And for me on a personal level, b- because of this, this, is something I've been thinking about, like I was saying earlier, I plan to be more involved. Like I said, this past year, I've been more involved, a lot more involved on that level. Um, but I personally plan, I'm not going to make anybody else do it or try to, you know, but I plan to be more involved. I just think, I think it's important. Again, not to be on the, on the bandwagon, like, well, we march, you know, not that, but like definitely be present. And it's important for the church to be present in those moments. And because people already assume the church is dismissive, you know, and like, oh, the church, oh yeah, they just care about their building. They just care about this or whatever. But like for us to be president now, I think is important. So I don't know. So we'll see what that looks like. And hopefully we'll have answers because, you know, there's no answer to this, I think right now, maybe we're getting there, I think, you know, but it's not a clear as they answer to, you know, what our level of involvement should be. 
But if we had all this talk about what we should do as believers in in our own communities, this is our own community. So maybe mm-hmm. we do have answers. I don't know. Anyways, good. Mm-hmm. Good. Anyways, thank you for listening. Um, I'm not gonna drag this out. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We um, your love, your support, and just um, joining these conversations with us and. Uh, yeah, just supporting the podcast and stuff. Uh, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, have a great week. We're praying for you. And uh, provecho. <laughs> <laughs>